KZSU, Stanford University's FM radio station, broadcasting across the Bay Area on 90.1 FM and across the world at kzsu.org. From the campus of Stanford University, this is the Modern Architect radio show and podcast, featuring one-on-one interviews with renowned and cutting-edge architects, influencers, and sustainability leaders. The show and podcast will inform, educate, and illuminate the transformation, joy, and inspiration architecture brings to our cities, communities, and lives. Hosted by architecture aficionado and principal of Accurate Architectural, this is Tom Dioro. Thank you, Shay. For our guest today, we want to welcome David Easton, the founder and president of Rammed Earthworks and Watershed Materials, the original Rammed Earth Builder in the U.S., We'll be talking today about what is rammed earth and a number of profile residents and commercial projects completed in the last few years. Hello and welcome, David. We're we're honored and glad you're here today, really. Well, thanks, Tom. When did you uh, begin your work with rammed earth? And uh, can you describe to our audience um, what is rammed earth? Oh, all right. Well, we're starting out with a couple of trick questions right from the beginning. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, when did I begin rammed earth? Maybe it was yeah. even in a previous life. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, I started, in fact, in this embodiment about 1976 right here in California. I was a graduate of the product design school here at Stanford. And I had this idea that earthen materials had a real possibility of solving some of our climate change issues that were first becoming aware, making themselves aware of us back in the late 1960s, early 70s. But then the trick question, what is rammed earth? Yes. Okay. Well, (laughs) it's a compound noun with an active modifier. Earth is the key. Earth is this material that's... Gravel, sand, clay, and silt. And sometimes you grow vegetables in it, and sometimes it gathers under your refrigerator and you call it dirt. (laughs) But rammed is a process that's acted upon Earth to make an altogether new product, which is the noun rammed Earth. And what it is, is it's a wall. So I got a concrete wall, a wood wall, a stone wall, a styrofoam wall, or I've got rammed Earth. So rammed earth has been around forever, right? It's mm-hmm. 10,000 years old. It's one of the early building materials that man first used when he crawled out of his cave. And it's got these wonderful <laughs> properties in that it's, it's strong, it's durable, it's fireproof, it's safe, it's affordable, it's healthy. I could go on and on. Yeah. But modern rammed earth, this is what we're here to talk about. The show's okay. what? Modern the modern architect. architect. Okay, yeah. great. So modern rammed earth. Modern rammed earth is uh, a highly prized, beautiful, massive, permanent wall system that can surround your residence, your winery, your commercial space, your children's school, and, and can create uh, a feeling to the spaces that it defined that is actually the identifier on why people would choose to build with this material. Awesome. Awesome. Now, what what type of projects, modern projects, if you will, have you worked on, say, in the last five, six years? If... Well, okay. Let's back up a little bit. Certainly. Let's talk about not just projects, but let's go back to talking about rammed earth as a wall. Because that's the key. We have a technique and a set of materials that go into making a wall that is part of a structure. So an an architect will design a beautiful building with a fabulous roof that encloses a series of walls and windows and patios and interior interior spaces. And the one component of it that is the rammed earth are these walls. So the architect is going to use these walls to define space and to kind of translate a message that he wants to in his design. It can be modern. It can be very, very traditional. It can be old world. It can be Islamic. It can be um, contemporary. It can be uh, French country. Um, So we've had the good fortune to build walls for some really fabulous architects and some great projects, a lot of residences, a lot of wineries. Mm-hmm. Um, recent, uh, right now, we're in the middle of a school in the city of Santa Rosa using one of the Rambert products, and 
A few years ago, we built uh, the contemplative center, the Windover Center, right here on the Stanford campus using yeah. rammed earth. And last year, we built uh, some restrooms using the rammed earth block, the watershed block. This year coming up, we've got some art galleries, uh, retail clothing stores, some really fun stuff. The, the part that I like and uh, the affirmation part of this okay. is that in the last few years, rammed earth has become much more popular and we have more opportunities to meet with architects who want to specify this earth wall system. I was telling you earlier when we were outside in the green room that uh, just a year ago, the government of France organized the first international competition for earth architecture. And what we saw were hundreds of entries from all over the world and some really stunning buildings that were put on the finalists list. And 10 years ago, 15 years ago, very few people had even heard of Rammed Earth. And now what we're seeing is this global appreciation that uh, I'd like to see continue and I'd like to be a part of. Wow. And you see, that's the first year, and yet, yet it was stunning that you use the word stunning. Well, no, this that's is the awesome. first architecture program. You yeah. see, people, architects and builders have been using Rammed Earth, like I say, for thousands of years. But modern Rammed Earth has been around for well, since we started 40 years ago. And what we're seeing is that the confidence and the respect for the structure and the beauty of rammed earth is, is uh, penetrating all levels of architecture, high-end and affordable housing in developing countries. Now, when you say developing countries, what uh, the countries are... are oh, okay, well, well, all right, I'm going to go all the way back to the beginning again and back sure. to this trick question thing. Um, <laughs> Earth is this fabulous building material, right? It's this, it's, it's this thing that the Earth itself, that stone produces for us, and it can be used to build building material, build wall elements, whether it's rammed Earth or adobe. The beauty of Earth is that it's free. So if you combine free with low-cost labor, then you have a finished wall system that can address housing needs in countries where people, one, don't have money to buy concrete or concrete block or even wood or mm -hmm. corrugated metal, and you have a country where labor rates are very low, so you combine the free earth material with low labor rate, and, and in good architecture, you get a chance to build housing for people that is healthy, safe, and uh, affordable. Yeah. So here in, in the States, is it not just uh, uh, for developing countries, but um, um, how about even high-end residents? Oh, okay, uh, okay. So um, in the United States, labor rates are high, and um, building materials are uh, they're relatively inexpensive, mass-produced, uh, sheetrock, plywood, plywood, two-by-fours, all of these things, they can be bought relatively inexpensively. And um, when the system is assembled such that the labor is reduced, then we have the affordable housing in the United States, which is what we've all come to identify as the two-by-fours, plywood, and sheetrock. Mm -hmm. So this isn't a great house to live in due to mm, some of its characteristics that I, I really don't want to go into. But we don't have an affordable earth wall system for a country where labor rates are high. Okay. So what we do in the United States with rammed earth and with our watershed block is that we build medium-priced to high-end residences for clients that really appreciate the wonderful characteristics of a thick earth wall while at the same time trying to develop alternative materials and systems that will allow us to go to countries where labor, labor rates are low and manufactured materials are high, and then we have a very valid solution to present that can be affordable, even low cost. And it's in these countries where housing is in such... Um, such demand. The need okay. for affordable housing is great in developing countries. 
This so, well is here. Okay, I'm sorry to interrupt yeah. you here, but no, I, I got, yeah. to, got off on one of my bandwagons. I'm one of my soapboxes, jumped up on the soapbox <laughs> here for a minute. It's to say that what we can really do is develop technology and materials and confidence to help develop ways to provide housing for people around the world who really need it. Oh, that's terrific. And what's their response when they see, say, even the, the, the beginning of the process and, and the end when they see um, the home built? Oh, what's, well, you know, what's, their, what's their reaction? I would take it, think it would be pretty... Uh, what's their reaction? Yeah. I'm stunned, awe, beautiful, wonderful. No. Yeah, okay. really? Okay. Well, the, <laughs> here's the fun part of Rammed Earth. I didn't even get a chance to tell the listeners what Rammed Earth is. Let's, 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 Rammed Earth is this construction method okay. where you take earth, uh, sand, gravel, clay, and silt, and you ram it into a sturdy wooden form or a, uh, aluminum form, much like you would pour concrete. So a lot of people have a picture in their mind of how you would pour a concrete wall. Wooden formwork and the gray stuff comes out of the truck and you pour it into this form and it sets up hard and you take the forms down and you've got a gray, strong, hard wall. Rammed Earth uses formwork like that, but instead of mixing this stuff in a truck that's gray and soupy and you pour it into a form, Rammed Earth is earth mixed with some other ingredients, oftentimes Portland cement, a little bit of water, and it's layered into this formwork and each layer is rammed until that layer is hard and then another layer is put on and another and another and another all the way to the top of the form. Each layer is rammed until the earth becomes dense like stone. So the beauty of rammed earth when you take those forms down is that you're seeing a kind of a visual representation of the world's most beautiful road cut. You have these layers of earth on top of each other, hard, dense, strong, like a concrete wall, only with a warmth and character that comes from the natural minerals that are in the earth itself. Now, why did I tell you about that? Where were we going? I lost my train of thought there. I was telling you about the technique so that we get to understand how a wall can be built in this country that becomes part of the architecture rather than just a a fabric or a structure onto which another finished material is adhered or painted or glued. A rammed earth wall is the finished wall. It supports the roof, and the inside and the outside surfaces are what you see and touch and live with. Wow. Wow. That, that definitely changes the, the, the industry. How has the, 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 the general architect building industry responded, say, re- recently? Oh, you know, well, look, years. I'm going to tell you a story. I'm going to yeah, tell you a story. Please do. We like first... stories here. <laughs> One of the, when I first started, I was trying to obtain building permits, and no inspectors had heard much of rammed earth. And I was a Stanford engineer, and I was approaching this from a very serious, uh, calculated standpoint. And I had designed a house, made all of the design calculations and a very good set of specifications on how we were going to build the wall. And I took it into the building department. This was a new building department. I'm not even going to pretend that I remember the county. But I took in these set of plans, and I showed them to the inspector. And I said, okay, look, I want to build this rammed earth house. I'm a Stanford engineer, and I've validated all of these assumptions. We've made our pre-construction mixed design, and we're going to build these walls out of rammed earth. The inspector looked at me, and he said, rammed earth? I never heard of it. But I can tell you one thing. I don't like it. Oh, (laughs) Okay, so that <laughs> I could tell you one thing I don't like, well, even though we never heard of it. That's the okay. That's kind of what we had to do when we okay. started. We okay. were dealing with um, introducing a building system that, when the two words were put together, didn't sound really valid, and with a set of specifications that hadn't been vetted or proven or were not included in the building codes. Okay. So you can get a building permit with an, uh, a design that isn't specifically covered by the Uniform Building Code. It's called the Alternate Materials Submittal Process. And so you can get a permit to build a rammed earth house by validating your assumptions and getting an, an engineer to make calculations based on your uh, presumed strength of the wall. But going through this Alternative Materials Submittal Process is itself a burden. And so the first few permits, you had to hold hold the hands of the building inspectors. Even today? 
Is it some? No, not so much today. Okay. That's where I was going to go with that. Okay. We've done three or four hundred projects in and around the Western United States, and each of the building departments has seen rammed earth before, and we have such a history of um, satisfactory installations that it's less and less difficult to obtain permits now than it was before. Okay. You're listening to the Modern Architect. KZSU Stanford, 90.1 FM. St. Anthony's Donations. You can help St. Anthony's in San Francisco feed, heal, shelter, clothe, and lift the spirits of those in need year-round. St. Anthony's serves free meals every day of the year, including Thanksgiving and Christmas, in its dining room at the intersection of Jones and Golden Gate in San Francisco. For more information or to donate, visit stanthonysf.org or call 415-241-2600. That's 415-241-2600. And now back to The Modern Architect. We're talking today with David Easton, founder and president of Rammed Earthworks and Watershed Materials in Napa, California. David, you were talking about the the permit process um, today versus, say, several years ago. Um, and you've got three, four, three to four hundred projects that you've done. Um, is it easier now? Do you have you run into the the uh, the, the guy that told you, "Hey, I've never heard of it, but I know it doesn't work." No, I, <laughs> I haven't met him again. Uh, okay. I, I have had some interesting encounters with building officials who are. Rel- some departments are reluctant to use the alternative material submittal process in general because it kind of opens a can of worms and causes them extra work. And then other building departments headed by a more progressive uh, plan checker actually likes projects that are leading the edge in the move towards sustainable building materials. I think um, that's why rammed earth and earthen materials in general are so interesting, are achieving this, this new level of interest from architects across the country and across the world is because when you have a material or a structural system that mm-hmm. is really low carbon, right? We're talking about trying to combat climate change. And the reason that we would use earth in our building material formulation is because earth is one of the um, lowest carbon dioxide producing building materials that we have available to us. Earth is its universal, it's everywhere, it's derived from parent rock, and there's no heavy mining or processing that has to be incorporated in this material before it can be turned into a finished product. So when you reach a, a you approach a jurisdiction, a building department, that has a sustainability mandate or they are promoting the use of green buildings within their department, then Rammed Earth is a clear winner. And our only challenge is finding the way that they can approve the use of a non-traditional um, material following the protocols that are established. So the way that we can do that is by demonstrating in advance the structural characteristics of this material mm-hmm. and then following all of the established engineering design and installation and quality control protocols that need to be used for any of the other material. You know, I'm listening to myself talk here, Tom, and it, it sounds like we are still a fringe or an alternative material. I'm going to try to put that point of view to rest right now. And I apologize if I've spent 15 minutes of this valuable show that you and I are going to do together here. Oh, perfect. Treating this like there was something unusual about it. I'm thinking that earth walls, rammed earth walls, are probably some of the most normal walls that we could possibly use. If we go back to the history of construction and architecture, Mm -hmm. all the way back to 10,000 years ago, we would find that adobe and rammed earth are by far the most commonly used and dependable wall systems anywhere on the planet. This idea of two-by-fours and plywood and sheetrock and fiberglass and all this other stuff that we throw together to call a house, I mean, it might as well be a trailer, (laughs) right? When you have this this incredibly durable and proven wall system 
then uh, I think it's just a matter of time till it gets back into its rightful place as being the go-to way to build a building. Now, I'm, I'm you know, I, of course I realize I like there's it. all kinds well of issues. Stated. Well stated. There's said. all kinds of issues yeah. about space restriction because yeah. Ramdrath walls are kind of thick. And now we're talking about insulation versus thermal storage and whether a Ramdrath wall needs supplemental insulation. So it's not, it's not like a no-brainer, but it certainly isn't that Ramdrath is a newcomer or has to be considered an alternative. And if my work over the last 40 years has been for anything, it has been to contribute to the credibility of this absolutely fabulous way to build walls. Excellent. Well stated. Uh, our audience, I'm sure, and our listeners are will appreciate that. I, I, I like that. That's the best I've heard uh, described for Rammed Earth. 40 years. Credibility. Has that taken a toll, you know, mentally, emotionally? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, you can tell it's taken a mental toll on me. I can, uh, yeah. Uh, but you're, 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 you're there and, uh, and uh, about to get the laurels wreath on oh, your, no, no, placed no, no, no. on your head. I, no, well, not, okay. not because of the, mm-hmm. the, the recognition, because you, you were the guy to do that. But it takes, uh, it takes a, a, a grit, uh, no pun intended, to, to, to get it to the point to where it is now, to where it will at some point very soon become... I hate to say the word mainstream, but it's just more common, like it has always been. It seems like in the last maybe 100 year, how many years has it not been normal to build with it? Well, okay, uh, good question. Good question. How many years has it not been normal? Um, a long time ago, 100 years ago, people typically built their own houses. And there were some wood houses, especially in the west of the United States and the frontier. But around the world, most people built masonry houses. The idea is that you built a house out of stone or brick or block or something that was very durable. If you're going to go to all the trouble to build a house, you might as well let it last long enough for your kids and their grandkids and a few other generations to live in that house. But we in the United States, now I'm not a philosopher here so I can't really say, but if if you look at the country and the idea is that we were always moving west, always looking for that water that tasted like wine, um, there's no reason to build a house that's going to last for multiple generations because I'm going to be gone. I'm going to Oklahoma, and then after Oklahoma, I'm going out to Colorado and California, and I'm just going to build a house out of wood because all I need is a few years out of it. Uh-huh. I have a lot of friends from Europe and earth builders from around the world, and they almost laugh at the way that people in the United States build houses out of wood because it's just plain not durable. So if we look at sustainability and how it is that we might reduce our carbon footprint mm-hmm. to reduce global warming and climate change acceleration. If I build a house today and that house will last for 500 years versus the wood house with 2 by 4 sheetrock and plywood that needs to be replaced in 30 years and then another one 30 years after that, then I've really made this contribution to um, global global climate improvement Mm -hmm. because I don't need to rebuild this house and buy all these new materials again 50 years from now or 30 years from now when their their resources are even going to be more challenged and more scarce. So the idea of durability, the idea of building with something as durable as rammed earth means that my contribution to CO2 reduction begins immediately and carries on for as long as the house is going to be around. Okay, so it's uh, it may be is it at some point it may become a new normal. Do you ever gauge time wise to say, look, I think just from what I see now, uh, five ten years from now, this is going to be much more uh, common. Oh and, and even even the residential and let's even go commercial, um, commercial because you've got through, would you say three to four hundred projects. How many of them are commercial projects and residential? I don't know if you know exact number, but at least kind well, of approximate. Most of them are residential. Maybe residential. 10 or 15% are commercial of one sort or another. You know, I'm from Napa Valley, so a lot of the work that we do is in the wine country. Wine okay. wine makers love to put their their casks of wine inside of thick walls because <laughs> it reduces the, yeah. the loss of the product through the barrel because of the humidity issue. But we're, we're, let's see. Let's talk about um, 
What was your question? You know, the, is it the, how much was residential? Oh, like no, 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 no. But you also asked another question, and it was about the, how long I thought it was going to take for this to be accepted widely. Oh, boy. Don't <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Don't rely on me for that, because I thought when I started in 1976, it was only going to take three or four years. Okay, so 76. Uh, so it that just never lasted. I had no desire to be a building contractor. I'm I'm an inventor. I studied here at the product design school, and I thought I was going to get out and invent some machines and some credibility or some quality control measures to use Earth as a material. And then after that, I was going to go to work with Steve Jobs or Elon Musk and design some other really cool stuff. But instead, I ended up becoming a builder of earth wall buildings while at the same time continuing this um, passion that I had for inventing things. So over the years, we've invented machines that make building with rammed earth faster and more um, uh, easy to control the quality. We've invented other systems for building with earth and uh, a wide range of things. So I'm kind of an uh, uh, inventor dressed up in a contractor's outfit. It looks well. Looks good. You had it fit. You had <laughs> it you. sized perfectly. Thank you. Yeah, the machines that you're building. How how are how how do they make it? You know, faster, cleaner, more efficient, less. What? what uh, okay, what, I'm gonna draw. Yeah. Let me let me tell you a story here. Yeah. No, not a story. I'll draw you a picture. Okay. Um, traditionally, a rammed earth wall was built with a, a cumbersome wooden form and material carried up a ladder in a basket. This Earth material, slightly moistened. Rammed earth is not wet and poured. It's only it's slightly moistened. So you carry this material up a basket, you dump it into this form, and you pound it. You ram it down with a heavy wooden tool. Very slow, very laborious. When I first discovered rammed earth, it was in some documents that had been written by the United States government during the Depression to help Americans build themselves houses using the rammed earth technique. Wow. And um, they were still using shovels, buckets, and hand rammers. So it was really apparent to an, an efficiency expert like myself that we had to get rid of the hand rammers go to pneumatics, which is an air-controlled tool, and we wanted to eliminate the buckets and the shovels and try to make it um, less labor-intensive. So we began by developing mixing machines, a way to mix the aggregate and the clay and a little bit of cement together so that it had ideal moisture content. So we developed all these different ways to uh, improve the mixing and take the labor out of it. A lot of rototillers on the back of tractors and all kinds of kind of funky maker type thrown together stuff. And then we invented a forming system that was less cumbersome than the old wooden forming system that was used. And that form, that simple form is actually used a lot around the world today in other people's rammed earth projects. Then we decided we'd try to get the shovels out of it, so we started to develop conveyor belt systems that would carry this soil mixture from a mixing machine directly into the formwork and you're still compacting it with pneumatic handheld tampers. So our goal all along was to increase the speed of the installation for a rammed earth wall, which had the effect of reducing the cost, and to add a quality control element to it. Uh, shovels and buckets and uh, rototillers for mixers didn't really seem as sophisticated and as um, highly regulated as we wanted them to be to obtain permits for more complex buildings. Mm -hmm. So we started using off-the-shelf mixing machines that are used in the concrete industry. We started using larger form work and cranes to set things so that now what we have when we go to a construction site to meet with the other tradesmen that are on that site is we have a process that looks very sophisticated, very refined, very recognizable to general contractors that are used to having a familiarity with the products that, that are being installed okay. on their project. And that was by design? That you yeah, we that? just had okay. to work towards um, sort of fitting the standards of the industry. Okay. So if we show up on a site, we look like a concrete uh, concrete contractor. We set form work, we have delivery trucks, we have guys wearing hard hats, and it looks very familiar, and the walls are uh, strong, and fortunately, they're appreciated for their inherent beauty. Yeah, 
And and I'm sure they are, but that's just my opinion because as we discussed in the green room, I'm a, I'm an earth guy, <laughs> and meaning I really I like the soils for whatever reason. Some people like wine. This I like soil. And um, uh, what is their response when you do show up, especially if they haven't seen it before? They say, oh, oh well, my so God, what is this you, you guys are doing? Well, when you're doing a construction yeah. project now in the United States, you don't just show up. You've had multiple meetings with people on the team ahead of time, the architects, the engineer, and the general contractor. So everybody has a schedule. Everybody knows what's going to happen. And um, everyone has been introduced to each other and their component of the trade. So mm-hmm. if we talk about building a structure, whether it's a large single-family residence or a winery or a church or an art gallery... In the United States, this team is very, very well honed, and everyone has uh, got their comfort level completely secure before we show up. You have a schedule, and you've told the general contractor what spaces you need and where you're going to be. So um, it it looks as recognizable and as sophisticated as, as any other of the tradesmen that might show up on a project. The thing about Rammed Earth that's been fun for me a lot is... Because it's unusual enough, we are invited to join the pre-construction design team with the architect and the client. So I've had the opportunity, and the other guys that work with me, the opportunity to meet with the client and the architect for months, sometimes as long as a year and a half before a project ever starts. So everyone is um, in agreement as to what the final look of the wall is going to be, and everyone has already developed respect for each other. Excellent. This is The Modern Architect on KZSU Stanford, 90.1 FM. The International Committee of the Red Cross and Red Crescent is an impartial, neutral, and independent humanitarian organization. It protects the lives and dignity of victims of war and internal violence and coordinates international relief activities. The ICRC also seeks to prevent suffering by promoting and strengthening humanitarian laws and principles. For more information or to donate, visit icrc.org. That's icrc.org. Now, back to The Modern Architect. Our guest is David Easton, founder and president of Rammed Earthworks and Watershed Materials in Napa, California. David, who or what inspires you? Oh, I'm glad that you asked me that question, Tom. Because um, I've had a lot of people in my life that uh, have motivated me to move this direction and to stay so tenaciously involved in solving what seemed like a simple problem and then turned out to be more difficult. Of course, Frank Lloyd Wright and what he tried to do or what he succeeded with his natural architecture is an inspiration. Frank Lloyd Wright not just designed beautiful buildings, but he designed an entire different way to approach living for people. And he was a materials guy. You know, Frank Lloyd Wright invented some concrete block, maybe the concrete block, certainly the architectural concrete block. Mm -hmm. So um, I would say Frank Lloyd Wright. And then as an inventor, there's no one that inspires more people than Thomas Edison. And Thomas Edison said, among other things, because he liked to talk a lot, everybody knows that. <laughs> yeah, what's the one thing of a million? That, well, <laughs> you only fail the last time you try. So there is no such thing as failure if you never give up. And the, Thomas Edison's classic story was how hard he looked for the filament for the incandescent light bulb. But... Um, that kind of tenacity, that kind of knowing that a solution is out there and you're just willing to put in the long, long hours of trial and error until the solution has been arrived or until the light bulb goes off. And uh, I love that kind of tenacity. And I identify with Thomas Edison because he was just a consummate in- inventor. Um, I don't really have any hobbies. I don't listen to music. I don't go fly fishing. My (laughs) hobby is inventing things, and most of them have to do with the the using earth as a building material. And then maybe the third person that inspires me I'm looking at in today's world is Elon Musk, because I love how many different fingers Elon Musk has has his 
How many different pies? Sorry, <laughs> Elon Musk has his finger in. You know, there's the Hyperloop, there's the space, there's the electric car, there's the electric house. I mean, God, how many different things can you think you can solve in a short life? So, yeah, and Frank Lloyd Wright, Thomas Edison, and Elon Musk. Yeah, especially on Mars. On Mars is a oh, lot of Mars. We rammed Earth on Mars. Oh, now, wait yeah. a minute. That's, that's no, it can't be rammed on. Okay. It'd have to be rammed Mars. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, well, okay. So let's talk about something else. I think we're going, we're starting to have some fun here, Tom. So okay. it's too bad this is going to draw to a close pretty soon. But we've talked a lot about rammed Earth, the ram, the big, thick, you know, powerful wall, monumental wall. You know, the Great Wall of China is rammed Earth. Um, the Alhambra is rammed Earth. But these are big, thick, heavy, and as we're discovering in the United States now, they're expensive. Sure. And I told you that when I started out as a young idealist, I really wanted to develop a, a way to house most of the world's peoples in an affordable, healthy way. And I thought rammed earth was going to be it mm -hmm. because you, you pick <laughs> up earth and you ram it and it becomes like stone. And wow, no brainer. should be really easy. But um, what I saw happening in the last 15 years here as our rammed earth walls became more popular was that the costs were climbing. Now, why are those costs getting higher? Because the architects want the wall to be flawless, and uh, they want the wall quality to be nearly perfect. And you just can't achieve that with a low labor, low labor rate and by working quickly. So that was frustrating. But a dozen years or so, maybe eight years ago, I thought, wait, what's wrong with this? I'm coming to the, wrapping up my career, I thought. And I, I kind of wanted to get back to this idea that I had at the beginning that Earth could be affordable. So I got together with some of the guys and we were thinking, what's wrong with this picture? Well, I think what was wrong with it is that we were trying to build really big pieces of earth. The Rambrith walls that the guys will build on site are 20 or 30 feet long, they're 24 inches thick, and they're 10 or 12 feet tall, so they're massive. And it takes a lot of equipment, takes a lot of know-how, takes a big pile of earth, and uh, hence it takes a lot of money and a lot of time okay. on the site. So we're thinking, okay, how does the world deal with most of its building? It's a unit of earth, a block, a stone, a brick. It's a piece of masonry that gets laid, mortared, they call it laid, okay. into a wall. An individual piece of a masonry unit laid up piece by piece becomes a wall. The skill of the mason can make it a beautiful wall. A fast mason can make it an economical wall, and if the stone are right there on the side or the mud bricks are inexpensive, then the wall can be inexpensive. So I got to thinking, all right, let's not make big pieces of earth anymore. Let's make little pieces. Let's make a piece of rammed earth that is the size and shape of a concrete block. You know hmm. that there are 40 billion concrete block manufactured in the world every year? How many? 40 billion. 40 billion. So, and how many rammed earth projects in the year, in the world every year? Maybe 15. Okay, so what are we thinking here? Let's make little pieces of rammed earth where capture all of the benefit of earth, which oh, is that it's affordable, nice. it's available, it's low carbon, it's non-toxic. Everybody has some in their backyard. So we're going to make rammed earth and all of this appreciation and credibility that we helped to gain over the years, and we're going to make these recognizable units that um, building departments, engineers, and masons are going to know how to use. So this was the beginning of this other company, Watershed Materials. We wanted to develop, back to the invention, we wanted to develop tools and machines that would make a block strong like a concrete block, but using materials that were local, that were regional, that were from the watershed. and That's it, where the name came from. Okay. Well, the name, yeah. watershed material, it, it, yeah. the idea is that I, I live in this watershed. I live near this stream. I live where people are growing these vegetables and taking them to the farmer's market. Why can't I make building materials from my watershed? I don't have to transport them long distances. I don't have to use a lot of manufacturing. So I'm thinking, wow. Thomas Edison's light bulb just went off in my head. This might make sense. Okay, but just like the mistake I made when I was in my 20s, I didn't realize how hard this was going to be to develop this alternative product, this watershed block, and how hard it was going to be to get the building industry to recognize it and to accept it. 
So where we are today is about six years into this process of developing the machinery and the credibility to use watershed block. We were lucky enough to get a grant from the National Science Foundation to support the research that we did in the early days to develop the technology and the block formulations. And we've done a few projects. Right now, um, an architecture firm in San Francisco, WRNS Studio, is building a private high school in Santa Rosa, California, using the watershed block. And we've had a half a dozen other projects that have been built. And I think this, if I could be optimistic for a minute, I think the, the block, the watershed rammed earth block, may be able to capture the imagination and the hearts of the building industry in such in a way that monolithic rammed earth is always going to have a trouble. Wow. A lot of people know how to lay block. Mm -hmm. But what's been the response from the the architects at the WRN Studios when they see it? Like, oh, we've got to have this. Are they doing it on other projects as well as the school? Well, building materials, very, very difficult startup business. You know, I can design a watch that talks to me or I can design a, um, a new gidget or widget for the um, some car and there's not a lot of risk involved. If I'm designing a new building material, a brand new way of building, that's a very, very slow and difficult nut to crack. So we first came up with some beautiful block. We built some projects. We got a little bit of publicity. We developed a presence on the on the World Wide Web, which is watershedmaterials.com. Thank you. And. Um, a lot of people really admire the beauty and the intrinsic character of this low-carbon regional block. How long it's going to take until it's used widespread, your guess is as good as mine. But having a project like the Sonoma Academy and the Napa Costco and a few other high-visibility projects, that'll help. And in a few years, I think we're going to see this idea of a compressed earth aggregate building block to be identified as one of the best ways that the construction industry can reduce its carbon footprint. And that's what I'm hoping for. Oh, yes. I, I've seen on your website and you've got quite a bit of press press coverage as well. It's it's the material stunning. And uh, thank you again for mentioning the website, if you wouldn't mind doing so again. It's uh, www dot watershedmaterials.com correct that's right okay yes please go to it while we're uh, while david and i are, are uh, talking i think you'll see you'll be just as stunned it's it's really it's it's amazing it truly is um how do you do, i notice there's some different colorations is that the is that just where you got the earth that's right okay it is that's the okay. watershed you know i had the idea to name the company watershed it was fun i was at a winery a wine tasting tour with some friends of mine who come to the napa valley and we i was listening to how the winemakers talk about the terroir the soil that the grapes are grown in affects their taste their flavor so it's all about where the grapes are grown and I had the idea of the block getting its character, its coloration, its flavor from the earth that it was made out of. You know, concrete blocks, that ugly gray thing that you buy at Home Depot for $1.49, <laughs> or the beautiful um, dyed ground or split-faced concrete blocks that go into really nice architecture, those blocks are dyed. With uh, aluminum, uh, with oxides or other pigment dyes to get a color that's supposed to be representational of a color, whereby a watershed block gets its character and its beauty and its color from the soils, the clay, the minerals that are in the formulation. So all of those blocks you see on that website are formulated from natural clays sourced at quarries throughout, um, well, within the watershed. Ah, now, the durability of it, um, it must be significantly better than the cement blocks, but do you, you know, talk about that a little bit, how the durability, the well, um, life cycle or potential life cycle, have you, have you quantified that as well? Yeah, well, durability is actually a, a, a measurement of a, of a strength 
of the surface of okay. any kind of building material. There is an ASTM, American Society for Testing, um, methods mm -hmm. that defines uh, durability on accepted levels to be used as a building material. So the watershed block, in order to be sold in Northern California to customers, had to meet certain durability and strength and shrinkage and absorptive standards that, are, that govern any concrete block. Nice. Is it the, the color variation? Can you also, if, if a, a prospective client says, hey, you know what, I like this type of color, could you say, well, I think I know where to get that. I can get that red clay in Maui. Yeah, well, <laughs> and, I'm not going to bring do... it over from Maui, but I might bring it down from Calaveras okay. County. That's less than <laughs> Okay, all right, so that you can replicate yeah, that. Yeah, okay. you can. A little bit. You can, but you're opening a can of worms here that we see all the time at uh, the design studio is how much control do we have over color? If I'm going to find a source, I mean, we're talking about truckloads of material that it takes to build a wall or a house full of blocks. You, you don't have precise control over that material. It's mined, it's carved out of the earth, and the earth itself, if you look at it closely, is made up of all of these different minerals and all these different colors. So um, I don't have precise control over the color. I have control over a tone and the, a range of colors. Okay. And the architect and the client has to accept that at the beginning, that they've come to us because they like the naturalness of this product. and. By the very definition of the word natural, that doesn't mean that I have precise control over how it's going to be. Oh. This is The Modern Architect, KZSU 90.1 FM, Stanford. The Galactic Travel Playlist program brings you compelling personal revelations and unusual music from all corners of the globe. Tune in Thursdays from 7 to 9 p.m. to hear Margie and her invited guests talk about which musical tracks they'd take with them on an imaginary journey into space, and why. Past programs have included a Sufi dance teacher, Arab accordionist, world harmony chorus director, and award-winning songwriter. That's Thursdays from 7 to 9 p.m. only on 90.1 FM, KZSU Stanford. And now back to The Modern Architect. We're talking today with David Easton founder and president of Ram Earth Works and Watershed Materials in Napa, California. David, is there a special place, town, city, or even country that uh, um, you find inspirational, whether it's because of the, the soils or the people, the, the area, the language, everything? Um, is there a special place that you find inspirational that you actually take that and bring it back to you or bring it to all your... Uh, um, to all your work? Um, well, that's a good question. In the 1980s, I was fortunate enough to spend some time in the Rhone River Valley of France. Um, I had some colleagues who were teaching uh, earth construction at the University of College of Architecture in Grenoble, and I took a tour through the Rhone River Valley. Majority of buildings in that area are built of rammed earth, unstabilized rammed earth meaning no cement, no reinforcing steel, no concrete foundations like we use today. And these buildings were three and 400 years old. And it was early on in my career, and I was still trying to get a sense of the, of the lasting character of the rammed earth that I was advocating and trying to build. And, and here I went to a region of the world where it was just commonplace. Everyone knew how to build with rammed earth. Every building was rammed earth. And these were beautiful um, beautiful structures. They were simple. The architecture was simple. The masons had developed um, uh, architectural models and proportions that were pleasing and um, a material that had it was just ideally suitable and it was a material that the, was in the river valley from the Alps themselves washing limestone and granite down into the valleys that d turned out to be this ideal material to build the wall. So I've always liked that. And then northern Morocco has some beautiful rammed earth structures, again, that have been around for hundreds of years. So my inspiration for travel really comes from studying the architecture and the materiality of a place. And now I live in the Napa Valley, and I like the architecture and the materiality of that place as well. Yeah, and, I, and I've seen the, at least... Uh 
uh, on your website the photo of your home that you live in, the the, the home in Napa. Oh, yeah? Oh, yes. I mean, you know, if it, tell me a little bit about how that came about because if I recall, it wasn't something you said, oh, this is going to be my dream place. Oh. Um, uh, it, it either, it, t- correct me if I'm wrong, but he kind of sort of fell into it, but it was a good kind of fall into. Um, and then talk about a little bit about how you feel living in a an earth-based home. Oh, God, that was three questions, Tom. I know. How I feel living in an earth-based home <laughs> is fantastic. I couldn't possibly live in any other structure after having been exposed to it. And that would happen to you, too. Believe me. Really? You spend really? any amount of time in a house with thick earth walls, and you're going to have trouble going back to your anything else. But that aside, what if my house, I'm not sh- I didn't even know you knew my house was on the website. It's an interesting yeah. story because... We didn't even talk about another technique that we developed in the 1980s of building with rammed earth is that we can shoot it, too. We can shoot earth through high-pressure air hoses. It's a technique that allowed us to build very tall buildings and very fast. It's kind of like the way they build swimming pools, only different or better. And um, so this house that I'm living in in Napa now, my wife and I have been there for, God. 18, 20 years? I can't remember. Are you kidding? Because that picture is... Oh, that's a different one. Okay, well... Oh, okay. That was a house that maybe you thought that I lived in because I had to tell the writer for the magazine that it was my (laughs) house so that he'd do a story on it. So we put some clothes in the closet and some coffee on the counter and we had him (laughs) over and we pretended that we... Fake fruit? No, 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 no. No, uh, I'm... Ooh. (laughs) Okay. get in trouble for that one. We may need to edit that out. But if you don't edit, let me tell you the real story. (laughs) I do live in a very beautiful house at the foot of a mountain... Um, surrounded by vineyards that aren't mine. But it is a very true-to-dimension, south-of-France farmhouse. When I took this trip, the first trip to the Rhone Valley, and I love the architecture there, then my wife and I bought uh, another piece of property that we wanted to experiment on one of my crazy building techniques, (laughs) which is a shooting earth out of uh, high-pressure air hoses. But we wanted to do something that was really representative of the architecture south of France because Tuscan architecture and Provençal architecture was very popular in the Napa Valley in the mid-80s. And we wanted to show architects how we thought that the material ought to really be used. So we went to France, we took a bunch of photographs, and we came back and we built a building that looked very much um, like a French farmhouse. But we did it using this shot earth technique that we then ceremoniously labeled Pizé. That's short for pneumatically impacted stabilized earth, but it gives nod to the fact that most of the world uses the word pizé for rammed earth. Ah. So there you have it. Yeah, yeah. And so go back to the, the how one feels in a rammed earth building. Now, this is as a home. You well, said, look, I tell you yeah. this. I built a pet hospital, a veterinary clinic for a friend of mine that I went to high school with. Maybe uh, 30 years ago, and he used to claim that the dogs and cats got got well just coming in the door. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, cures your back problems. Yeah, it, well, speaking of the cures, I, uh, uh, the the allergens are they minimal or are they minimized? Yeah, like, uh, or, well, or yeah, the, some of the health no benefits paint. of it. There's no paint on a rammed earth wall. Okay, so no there's paint. A, there's a good thing right there. Okay. So uh, there's no zero VOCs, organic then. compounds. There's no insulation behind it. So we like to think that it's healthier, but there's also a benefit to living inside of thermal mass. You see, a big, thick wall has this characteristic where it can store heat and cool temperatures, and temperatures don't change very quickly. And the way to heat a building with thermal mass is by putting heat into the storage material rather than into the air so that you your body senses the feeling of comfort at lower temperatures during the heating cycle. And a lot of people believe that fresh air and thermal mass can contribute a lot to physiological well-being. And I think that's the case. Then there's a control over sound that um, is affected by the solidness of the wall. And so you come inside of a building with thick walls and uh, they, they sound quieter. So you have less air movement, a lower temperature, more... Um, Control over sound and no toxic chemicals wow. the walls. So you, you said the sound it keeps the sound out. So if you're in a city that uh, if you're in a city if you're in an area where um, uh, people are close to the freeways or 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 um, 
yeah, extreme traffic. Would this work as well? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, so it would work as well. Right. Okay. And how, how far can it go? Can it go, uh, we talked in the green room, can it go from here to San Francisco as a sound wall? And, oh, yeah, I freeway mean, sound wall. Yeah. I mean, I know we're, we went from homes well, I, to I'd sound walls, but homes are close to freeways. I'd have to break yeah. the wall every place there was an on-ramp or an off-ramp. Okay, that's it, though. Yeah, it could be used. Um, what the And beautiful. Well, thank you for saying yeah. that. No, wouldn't it, that be, it, wouldn't it, that be fun? That would take some of the drama out of it. If I'm building sound walls, <laughs> then my high-end clients are not going to want Rand Earth anymore. I may be better think about that from a business standpoint. Uh, no, no. In fact, it may. I would probably increase the value of the the cities respectively because mm-hmm. now it's they're quieter and mm-hmm. the people feel better because they go. I don't know what this is, but I just feel better since they put up that wall. <laughs> oh. And then you, then you've got all kinds oh, wait of. Minute. And all right, then after that, I'm going to go build Donald Trump's wall. <laughs> hey, no, let's uh, let's not go there. No. It would be it would be fun if some large scale installations that we now do with concrete, with really really high cement contents in concrete, were to find a way to reduce the carbon footprint of their materials. That would be good. You know, it's reduction of carbon footprint that this is really all about, right? If global warming is really happening. And we want to contribute to reducing it. The thing to do is to reduce the amount of CO2 that we um, allow to escape into the atmosphere. And one of the the number two contributors to global CO2 generation is cement and concrete. Really? Yes. Okay. So if we can use less cement, cement is this gray powdered glue that you use to hold sand and gravel together to make concrete. And you get cement by baking limestone to 2,700 degrees Fahrenheit. And it burns a lot of fuel. It releases carbon dioxide to the atmosphere. So the cement manufacturing is a very bad thing. Now, cement is a great glue, and we want to use it to build office buildings and freeway overpasses and things that need to be safe. But we don't need to use that much cement if we just want to build one- and two-story walls using the Ramder technique. Yeah. So I'm advocating for exploring alternative methods of construction that will allow us to reduce our cement use and thus our carbon footprint and thus make the planet a safer, happier place for future generations. Oh, that's that sounds terrific, and you're actually doing it as we speak. Um, how how the projects is each? I'm sure each project may be different, but does one project inspire another, or another discovery of hmm, this is interesting. I think I'm going to utilize this on this project or a future project. Well, we're always getting better at analyzing the ingredients that go into a round earth wall. It affects the finished appearance and it affects the structure and the durability and hopefully it affects the cost to the consumer. So there's a lot to learn about mineral aggregates, which is what we're talking about goes into a round earth wall. The gravel, the clay, the sand, and the silt all are combined together at very careful ratios in order to build a durable and a lasting round earth wall. Excellent. Now, there's a quote, and I don't know who said it, but it goes like this. The world belongs to the patient man. Now, um, we spoke a lot about the, um, obviously, you know, your, your, your process and the time frame that you didn't expect it to be this long to get to even where it is now. The tenacity part, I think you could replace the world belongs to the tenacious man. What would, what would you say? What's your take on that? I know it's, it's a trick question. It's got a little curveball, but you can hit the curveball. I know you can. Uh, well, <laughs> tenacious, yeah. I don't know. I, I might want someone tenacious if they were making an argument uh, for me and I, I want to try it. My, my idea of tenacity is just stubbornness, really. Um, I thought that there would be a way to take an ancient building system that had proven itself so valid over so many years and to modernize it and to be a person to help gain credibility for this method. I just didn't think that it was going to be this difficult or take this long. So was I patient? Absolutely not. I was always in a hurry and I was always surprised that people didn't see things my way about what a great building material this was. But I was certainly determined and um, that determination or the stubbornness to not give up may have been 
a contributor to the fact that now at least building inspectors and people around the world know and have heard of Ramdra. Excellent. David, it's been a, a real pleasure and an honor having you today, really. Um, thank you very much for, for being here. Well, it, it's been fun. I hope I didn't take up too much of your time or say anything that was re really off the mark. I do believe that raw earth, when we can control it and use it, is has got to be part of the solution to housing and construction in general. It, a resource that's close to home and that needs minimal processing, all we need is for a bunch more smart people like Elon Musk to decide to sick some of their engineers onto this and solve these problems because they're solvable and the, the end result is going to be fantastic. Awesome. You've been listening to The Modern Architect. I'm Tom Dioro. Our guest today has been David Easton, founder and president of Rammed Earthworks and Watershed Materials in Napa, California. We've been talking today about high-profile residents, Rammed Earth, the beginnings, where we are today, at least in, within the hour, and projects David has done and completed in the last few years. For more information, go to www.watershedmaterials.com. That's www.watershedmaterials.com. Join us again next time when we welcome another outstanding architect, building influencer, and civic leader committed to positive and sustainable cities, communities, and lives. The Modern Architect is recorded at Stanford University Studios in Palo Alto, California, and is a production of KZSU Radio. The producer is McGregor Joyner. Recording engineer is Akshay Jaggi. Assistant engineer, Michael Longoria. We're all assisted by Bryce Carter. The production manager is Akshay. And executive producer and host of The Modern Architect is Tom Dioro. And thanks for listening to The Modern Architect. <laughs>